Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. Well, uh, let us pray. So, Lord, sometimes we want to hear your word, and it just doesn't always feel like it it comes through. But, Lord, we know that that you are speaking. And so, Lord, in the stillness, in the silence, in the loudness, and in the craziness, Lord, we just pray that your word of truth, that your voice of truth would be with us today today and in the days ahead. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Now, I've never put my hand on a Bible and, and, and held up my other hand and had to say that in court, and I imagine maybe some of you have, but I've seen it numerous times in, in movies or in television shows. They swear people in, and they have this oath that they have to do. Right? Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? And I don't know about you, but it strikes me as strange that we have to sort of quantify or we have to sort of qualify what exactly the truth is. Like we can't just say, do you swear to tell the truth? And people be like, yeah. But we have to say, no, 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 not just the truth, but the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I don't know about you, but but it seems like we live in a world in which the truth seems fuzzy and seems difficult. And we, we live in a world of spin, right? Um, I've watched uh, different newscasts and they'll show the same thing, but they'll, they'll comment very differently about what is being said or what the, the truth is. We have all these sort of fact checkers or truth checkers to see what is really going on. We, we live in a world of half-truths, partial truths. Um, there's all this talk about fake news and, and we're always wondering what exactly is true. And I don't know about you, but it seems like the truth is more elusive than ever. How do we know what is good, what is true, what is real, what is actually happening? And, and what happens is, is, is that whenever we have a world that there is not truth, then it begins to, to fall apart. Maybe you've experienced that in your own life in some form or fashion where um, part of maybe a relationship you had, there was, this, there was this deep lie and it caused you to question everything in that relationship. What is truth in the midst of that? Um, I, I think maybe even now at this time, we, we talked about all our security that we, that we felt like we had, especially as Americans. But yet right now we're wondering, what is safe? What is truth? What is goodness? And what can I really hold on to? Jesus tells the story in Matthew chapter 7 of of two different people. He talked about the the wise builder. And the wise builder, he built his house upon the rock, upon a good foundation, so that the wind came and the rains destroyed, and the rains came. It didn't destroy the house. It was still standing because it was on a good foundation. But he talked about the foolish builder who built his house upon the sand. And when the wind came and the rains destroyed, it destroyed the house and it washed away. And, and, and what Jesus is telling them then and us now is that it matters what your foundation is. It matters what you build your life upon. It matters what you spend your time focusing on. What is it that really matters? And it has to be the truth. 
Because if not, then some wind or some rain is going to wash it away, and it's no longer going to be there. But if your, if your strength is the truth, then it's going to stay there no matter what. And this is what I, I really hope for all of us, is that we begin to think about and ponder, like, what is the foundation of our life, and how true is it? You see, we depend on foundations all the time, right? I mean, you're, you're probably in your house right now, and, and there's a foundation under your house that is keeping your house from, from going away. I'm trusting that this stage is built good, that um, I could jump on it, right? And it's not, it's shaking a little bit, but it's not going to fall down, right? Like that that's part of what we have to believe is that this foundation is strong enough to hold. And not just in how we walk about our life, but more in terms of how we live our life. Is the foundation of our life strong enough to hold? And so we need to hold on to the truth and we have to trust in the truth. And so as we go about, in order to prepare to fight all our battles, in, in the scripture that you saw today, you heard about that the buckle of the belt of truth, that we fasten the belt of truth. I, I have uh, my, my tiger belt buckle on today. I think you can see it over here um, on the, the screen. I, I'd love it if you would share your belt buckle or your favorite belt. I got this belt buckle when I was in South Korea, actually, working on my doctor of ministry. I also, um, I have a, a nice one from my former church, First Methodist, and I, I found one at a thrift store as well, a big old, like, nice belt buckle of the, uh, in Enid, Oklahoma, where I lived for many years, of the Land Run, a centennial one of the Land Run. I was proud of, of that belt buckle as well. But, but we need to have this sort of buckle of truth. Now, why did Paul start with that when he talked about um, putting on the armor of God? Because a, a belt doesn't really seem to protect you very well. Well, in those days, uh, they wore these long flowing robes and, and the, the belt was an essential part because it would make this sort of long flowing free robe and it would make it more form fitting so that when you moved around or ran around or did other things that you would be free to run and move. And so that it really necessitated your ability to defend yourself or to fight because you had freedom of movement. Because if not, then you would be more likely to trip and to fall and then be exposed to all the dangers of this world. Now, it's kind of like thinking about with our pants, sometimes without your belts or your suspenders or whatever it is, keeping that, them up, they would just, you don't want to get caught with your pants down. And they didn't want to get caught in a vulnerable position, unable to move and to fight. And so this belt of truth that was fastened, all right, is essential for them to be able to move around and for them to be free. I think about what, what Jesus says. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so wearing this armor, the soldiers would have been free to run, free of movement. And it's the same thing for us, is that the truth exists so that we can be free to live our lives and not have to worry about what's underneath us. But we need this solid foundation of truth. And where do we get it from? Well, we actually see a, a great story in Matthew chapter four about what Jesus does when he is tempted by the devil in the wilderness and where he speaks truth from. All right, and so I'm gonna be reading this text and I'm gonna invite you to, to follow along. This is Matthew chapter four, beginning in verse one. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, 
if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Now, one of the reasons why I believe that, that there are these spiritual forces of evil and darkness in this world, and we talked about this last week, is because Jesus himself, he confronted demons, and here it says he confronted the devil. Now, it was interesting, the word that was used to, to talk about the devil, it uses this noun, it says the tempter. That this is what the devil does, is that it tempts us in places where we are vulnerable or weak to, to believe a lie, instead of trusting in the truth of Jesus. And so the tempter wants us to believe a lie when Jesus calls us to the truth and God says, there is truth and you can trust me. Now, now one of the, Im the images that I get when, when I think about the devil is, is I think about a, an animal that's, on, that's kind of hunting and, and it's looking for, for prey. All right, and so what happens is, is that as the devil preys on us, the only, what we must do is we must pray to God. As the devil preys, we must also pray. And we must rely on God because the devil's gonna pray on our weaknesses and we've got to pray for strength from above. And it's interesting, the three different challenges that, that, that the devil um, gave Jesus here, the three temptations, all right? The first one, he says, if you are the son of God, you can turn these stones to bread. Now, now Jesus probably as the son of God could have turned those stones to anything, right? He could have turned them to bacon, cinnamon rolls, donuts, pizza, anything, all right? But he says you could turn the stones to bread. Now, this is an especially poignant temptation because Jesus had spent 40 days and 40 nights fasting, now, I don't know about you, but sometimes if I go 40 minutes fasting, I'm quite hungry. And if somebody tempts me with something, then, then I'm going to, to want it. But here, after 40 days and 40 nights of not having any food, this temptation of something had to be so much. Now, what's interesting to me is, is that if you've had nothing, a little bit looks like a lot. If you've had nothing, then even a little bit seems like, oh, I want something. And so the devil tempted Jesus with scarcity. Said, oh, you, you don't have any food, but you can make it right here. There's not enough in this world, but there's something right here. And I think that's what the devil does a lot with us too, is he tempts us with scarcity. Oh, you better take what's yours before it's gone. As I think about what happened with the toilet paper, it's this idea of scarcity. You better get yours because there's not enough for everybody. There's not enough for everybody. And this is the world we live in. It constantly says there's not enough. It says you're not enough and you'll never be enough. And this whole idea 
of scarcity is all around our world today. But do you know what Jesus speaks to, 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 the, to the temptation and to the devil? He speaks a word of abundance. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, now if you think about the words from the mouth of God, it's a message of abundance. You see, the devil prayed on scarcity, but Jesus gave a word of abundance. Because every word that is spoken by the, the mouth of God can create anything. Think about it way back at the beginning in Genesis. It said, God spoke and the heavens came into existence. God spoke and the earth was formed. God spoke and animals were created. God spoke and Adam and Eve were created. Everything can come from the mouth of God. There is abundance because God the creator can make anything. And so the devil prays and says, oh, there's not enough. There's never going to be enough. You need to do something now to make sure you have yours. And Jesus says, I have plenty because I have God. And so that was the first temptation. Now, the next temptation was, was fascinating as well because the devil takes him up to the temple, all right, to the center of the holy city. And he says, if you throw yourself down, and the devil even uses scripture here, then the angels will catch you and will protect you. And, and really the, the temptation, I think, especially because it would have been in the middle of the city and everybody would have seen it, would, would be to be noticed or to be famous, to get attention, to have people pay attention to you. When I was a, a youth director, um, one of the things that I realized is that, is that teenagers, what they desired more than anything else was to be noticed. And, and I don't think it's just teenagers. The more that I've lived it, I think it's all of us. We don't want to live our lives in obscurity. We want people to notice what we've done. We want attention. And sometimes we even want fame. Think about all the attention that goes to the number of YouTube followers that somebody has or the number of likes on, on Facebook or, or Instagram that, that we live our lives consumed with our people noticing me. And, and that that is a temptation that all of us have is to be noticed for, for our accomplishments or for something we've done instead of what God would really want us to do. I remember um, when I got into the ministry and, and I've been almost 10 years now, I really sort of had my sights on being a famous preacher. Um, in great irony, I wanted to be the kind of person that would, would speak in front of a, a camera and have people from you know, all over the world watch me. Um, and, and so like in some ways this would like, this is my dream that I never imagined. I wanted to be this famous preacher and I wanted people to sort of recognize me with my words and my ability to communicate and to say, yes, that's Aaron. That's who I want to follow. I want to trust his words. But over the last three or four years, what, what God has really showed me is, is that my goal should never be to be a famous preacher. That, that, that's not my desire and that's not what God wants from me. He doesn't want me to be a famous preacher. He's called me to be a faithful pastor. And so even in a position like this, I can, I can lean towards, towards being noticed. But what God wants more than anything is for me to faithfully walk alongside him and, and to be a pastor of his people. And so that's really my, my goal is not famousness, but faithfulness. And so this is how Jesus um, responds. He says, don't test the Lord your God. Just, just be faithful. Do the next right thing and do the next right thing. And don't care if you're getting the accolades or the attention for it, because often the next right thing doesn't get all the praise from other people, but it certainly gets you the praise from God. 
the greatest words that you and I will ever hear are when we get to heaven and, and the words God speaks to us are well done, good and faithful servant. Good and faithful servant. And so the world's going to say, oh, you could be noticed or, or more people will see you or more likes will happen or whatever the case may be. And Jesus says, don't test the Lord your God. Do the next right thing. Just be faithful in the midst of it. Now, the next thing, that, the next temptation and the next way that the, the devil prays is, is he, he takes him up to the kind of a mountain to look over and he says, if you will bow down and worship me, I will, this, all this will be yours. It's really a temptation to power. We love power as people. We, we want that promotion so we have more power. We, we want to have authority over people so they'll do what we say and so that our will gets accomplished. And so we, we live as people who desire to be powerful. And some of you are thinking, ah, I'm really okay not being powerful. But there are still areas of your life in which you want to make sure happen your way. Power and control go hand in hand. It's not always about leading a big group or a big organization. How much does your will have to be done is about power. Because we all have places in which it's got to be my way. And so the devil takes Jesus up and says, all this can be yours if you'll bow down and worship me. And so the temptation was to be powerful. And that's how the devil preys on us, on our desire for more, more, more. But what Jesus speaks, he says, worship the Lord your God only. All right? And what worship does is it puts you in a posture of powerlessness because you acknowledge that there is a God who is more powerful than you and that we can trust and rely on that. And so this is, as the devil prays for us, on us, temptation to be powerful, we should pray to be powerless. Lord, we worship you. It is your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will, but yours be done. And Jesus even models that for us in the midst of his last days as he prays in the garden. Father, not my will, but yours be done. Powerless. And so that's what, what happens. The, the devil prays on our, our thoughts of, of scarcity, and Jesus prays for the abundance of God's word and God's truth. The, the devil prays on our desire to be famous or to be noticed or to have attention, and Jesus prays for faithfulness. The devil prays on, on our desire and our ability to be powerful, and Jesus prays that we would be powerless. And in each and every time that Jesus responds to the devil, he does so with the word of God. He does so with the scriptures that he learned as a child and, and that he studied and that he knew deep inside of him. It wasn't just like, I've got to prepare for this test with the devil. Let me go get three scriptures that would help me. He knew God's word inside and out, and he was able to speak the truth of God's word directly to Satan. And so here's what we learn is that truth is greater than temptation. Is that any temptation that the tempter will send at us, the belt of truth is greater than. And that we have freedom to wield all our other weapons whenever we can stand true on God's word and God's promises. And so he uses God's word to speak to the devil. And, and he cast the devil away and then the angels ministered to him is that whenever we face temptations, is one of the things that we can trust is that God will send 
angels. He'll send people sometimes to minister to our souls because it will take something out of us whenever we have to face this truth versus lies. And so the devil is, is gonna be tempting you. And especially in this time, one of, one of the enemy's great weapons is the weapon of fear. I think about the song, it says, fear is a liar. And so many of us, uh, we have all sorts of fears and, and oftentimes we can react and make decisions based on fear. But instead, do you hear the sort of the poise of Jesus as he spoke these words of truth? He had the scripture deep inside of him and he knew that the voice of truth speaks and is more powerful than the lies of fear and the enemy of the darkness. And so what I wanna do with, with us today is I just wanna speak some words of truth over you about who God says you are and who God is. Because again, I think so often we get all these different voices that, that come at us and they, they, they tell us all these things and, and, and their spins and their lies and, and they're not true, but the voice of truth, uh, it, it tells us something different tells us who God is, and it tells us who we are. And so I just invite you, and I'm going to give about five of these, and, and maybe one of these is something you need to hold on to, and I'd really love it if you'd even memorize the verse that goes along with it, all right, that one of these is probably going to speak more to your heart today of what you need to hear. The first thing that is true is that God loves you, all right? God loves you. I think about probably the most famous text in all of scripture, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, and that includes you, that he gave his only son, all right? He gave what was most precious to him, all right? He gave, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And so God loves you so much that he sent his son, and he wants to be with you forever. He wants to be with you forever. What a great love he has. And so the truth is that we can stand on, that it's his firm foundation, is that God loves you. Now the next truth about God is this, is that God is enough. We, we oftentimes have contingency plans in case things don't happen, and that's a good thing to have in a lot of ways, but you don't need contingency plans as it comes to God. God is enough. He is more than enough, and he will supply every need. I mean, this is what Philippians 4, 19 says. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. The same God that, that spoke and stars happened, who spoke and animals happened, who spoke and trees bloom is enough to supply every need. Why? Because of his riches. He has more than, he is more than enough and he has more than enough and he will supply every need. And so if all you have is God, you have all you need. The next voice of truth is this, is that God is for you and God is with you. God is, is for you. Sometimes we think, gosh, God, why are you doing this to me? Like, haven't I had enough already? If it wasn't this and then this and now COVID-19, it seems like you're against me, God. But that's not who God is, is God is for you. I think of, of Joshua 1, 9, and it says this, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous, live a courageous life, all right? 
do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For God is with you everywhere you go. God is with you. He's for you. And so he is fighting our battles, and we just go alongside with them, and we can be strong and courageous because God is for us and with us. Now look, here's another word, is that God redeems you. Somewhere along the way, I'm sure that we've fallen, and sometimes it's easy for the the voice of lies to say you'll never be good enough. Remember what you did? Other people may not know what you did, but I know what you did. I know what you thought. I know what you said when nobody else was paying attention. I know, and that's who you are. But the good news is, is that God redeems you. Is that you are not unredeemable, and you are not your sin, but you are who God says that you are. You are a redeemed and beloved child of God. I think about uh, earlier in Ephesians, it says this, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Whatever you've done, you can be forgiven in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. We are redeemed by his lavish grace and his lavish love. God delights in you. Even though you've done things and I've done things, we're not going to say aloud, you're not your sin. You are a beloved child of God who has been redeemed. That's who God says that you are. And the last thing I want you to know about the promises of God and who Jesus is, is this, that God wins. In the end, God wins. I love what Jesus says in John 16. It says this, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble right? (laughs) Peace, maybe not so much, but trouble, I'm there. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so here's the promise of God, is that God is victorious. God wins. And that when we face difficulties, it doesn't mean, oh, God is losing now. No, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Is that sin and death and darkness have already been defeated through Jesus's life death and resurrection, he said those things are gone and there is a new victorious world in Jesus Christ. And so we can still stand in a world in which there is trouble and Jesus promised you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. And so we can stand victorious knowing that God is victorious. Tonight I'm gonna watch the Last Dance, it's a, it's a show about the last season of Michael Jordan with the Chicago Bulls. And I'm watching it knowing that at the end of the story, the Bulls beat the Jazz. I know that because I, I've seen the show before. I've, not the show, but I've, I've, I watched the games live. I remember what happened. Jordan wins. My friends, I know how COVID-19 ends. It ends. It's There is a day in which it ends, in which there is no more sorrow, there is no more sickness, there is no more pain because God wins. And that's not just the heavenly promise, but that's the earthly promise. I have overcome the world. And so in this time of turmoil and stress, in this time of anxiousness and pain, and in this time in which the devil is preying on every fear and everything that we are susceptible to, 
The good news is that God wins. And so I pray maybe you'll memorize one of those scriptures. You'll hold it in your heart and you'll remember to speak truth, which is greater than temptation. The truth is Jesus has won. He has overcome the world. He is the Lord. Let us pray. So Lord, we do thank you that, that you have won and that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. So Lord, we breathe in your grace. Lord, I, I know that even, even while I was preaching, there were people who were hearing voices of lies that, that, that they were saying, that, that some people were thinking, that may be true for all those people, but it's not true for you. You are defined by your sin. You're not gonna get out of this hole. Nobody wants you or nobody loves you. That the promises of God are for some reason for other people. And so Lord, may your voice be louder. And may we as your people, not just use the Bible as a weapon from time to time, but may we use it as our foundation and may we have a broad foundation because we know the truth and the truth has set us free. And most of all, may we rely on the fact that you are true. You said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so Lord, in a world in which we are uncertain about many things, may we be certain about the truth that you are Lord and that you love us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.